Wow. Okay. God's doing amazing things this morning. It's like fastening your seatbelts, right? This is kind of crazy. Uh, Julie and I were at uh, Hope Center yesterday and uh, got to spend the day with this amazing gal named Liz Doyle, who's got an evangelistic ministry that is insanely awesome. And uh, so she shared a lot. She imparted a lot. Our tanks were filled. I think, you know, saturates right in the heartbeat of what she was talking about. And so you guys, we are in the stream, we're in the stream, and she loaded us up with all sorts of additional ideas of things that we can do to reach out to our Jerusalem here and beyond. So seriously, fashion your seatbelts. It's going to be good. All right. Kingdom living. I want to pray real fast for me. (laughs) So Jesus, thank you so much that, that you have called us to a high place. You've said, I want you to be this kingdom bearer, this, this torch bearer on, on the planet. And so, Father, would you just impart to us this morning, reveal to us more of your heart. Thank you so much. I love you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're studying the eight Beatitudes lifestyle. We've been camping out on these. We're, we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount for the next who knows how long. Now Marvin's coming in. Oh, this is a little preview of coming attractions. Marvin's going to take the whole month of November and teach. And so I'm going to take a little bit of a break, and he's going to come up and fill the pulpit, and he's going to rock it, man. So i looking forward to that, dude. That's going to be awesome. But, but you're not going to get rid of me that quick, because that just means this is going to be prolonged all the longer, which is good, which is a good thing. We need it. We definitely need it. So, all right. So he's talking to us about a lot of things, but I want us to, uh, as we've been doing, I want us to stand and read uh, the Beatitudes. Our translation for today is the message. Very different translation. A lot of very good insights. So let's, let's stand and let's read this together. And there it is. Heidi, you got it? There we go. All right, here we go. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are, no more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. I love that. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is truth is too close for comfort and they're uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even. For even though they don't like it, I do. And all heaven applauds. And know that you're in good company. 
My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. Right on. Jesus, your word is so awesome. Isn't it fun to read this stuff in different translations? It's just kind of like you see all sorts of different perspectives in, in, the, in the words, and the scripture is so rich. But we're in Matthew 5, 8. So let's look at this one. Next one there, Heidi. It's coming. There we are. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You guys, this, this is one of the Beatitudes that I, I think we just need to approach with a sense of awe. Uh, talk about the ultimate prize, being able to see God. And if you, if you know your Old Testament, you know that there was sort of this known rule that if you saw the face of God, you were as good as dead. And, you know, there were many times, woe is me, I've seen God, I'm going to die. But then what happened in the New Testament? Jesus came and he tore the veil. And he said, I want you to come into the throne room. I want you to come into the sanctuary. I want you to see my face. And so we are in a place here now where to experience the kingdom of God with eyes that see the, the, the God of the universe, that's not a boring lifestyle. That is not boring. You're exhilarated. Man, there is like no substitute for God and seeing his face. And so that's what we want to talk about this morning. But the thing about this one, Jesus offers this blessing with a very clear stipulation. And that is, we have to walk in purity. If we want to see God, we have to walk in purity. So, begs the question, what does that mean? What does it mean to walk in purity? Great question, because there's a harsh reality, you guys, and you know this. We are in a spiritual battle. And what that battle is all about, it wants to diminish, it wants to defile, and it wants to shut down our heart. 1 John 2.16 talks about the battle that we face here. It says, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. And see, this is what we have around us. There's this distracting thing. And, and we, uh, unfortunately, are hugely aided today by technology, which allows us to step into this world in vivid technicolor. We have instant access to anything the human heart could desire. And it creates, what it does is it creates a constant noise and distraction from the voice of the Spirit. I don't know about you guys, but I'm amazed. I, I walk around campuses, I walk around cities, and I see these earbuds in everybody's ears. And we are constantly feeding ourselves with noise and distraction. Now, some of that can be good, but I'm here to tell you, most of the time, what it does is it isolates us and it creates this barrier around us that, that diminishes what the Spirit wants to say to us. And we, we get to the point where we cannot have noise in our life. We cannot live without it. So Matthew 7, I'm sorry, Mark 7, 21 to 23, Jesus kind of expands the list of what we're facing. He says, from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, Adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. Are we having fun yet? All these evils come from inside and defile a person. Jesus says you want to be pure in heart, but we got a battle, people. We got stuff going on inside of us that is fighting against us every moment of every day. And so what we want to do is understand that's the backdrop 
And Jesus actually later in the sermon is going to unpack his perspective on this whole issue of purity. We're going to talk about that later. But I want to again ask this question. Okay, we've got a spiritual battle. What does it mean to walk in purity? I want to answer that this morning by looking briefly through three lenses. We want to look at what our morality is. We want to look at our heart motives. And we want to look at our methods as we interact with each other because all of those are affected by purity. And so as we look at that, I I thought I wanted to, to go at it through two guys in Scripture who have a pretty good handle on purity. We're going to talk about David and we're going to talk about Paul. Both those guys had really interesting insights about this issue of what purity is and what it's not. And so that's where we're going to start this morning. Uh, We're going to read out of Psalm 101 and Colossians 3, 5 to 17. So if you've got your Bibles, I want want you to grab your Bibles, turn to Psalm 101. I want to just read this with you guys, okay? I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. I happen to like this one. It's just beautiful. It says, I'm going to sing of the loving kindness and justice to you, O Lord. I will sing praises. I'm going to give heed to the blameless way. When will you come to me? I mean, that's the battle we face. It's like even David said, man, I want to walk blameless, but God, I need your help. When are you going to come and help me out here? I'm going to walk within my house in the integrity of my heart. I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not fasten its grip on me. What he's doing is he's laying out his principles of purity here. Pay attention. A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will know no evil. Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him I will destroy. Who no one who has a haughty look and an arrogant heart will I endure. My eyes will be on the faithful of the land that they may dwell with me. He who walks with me in a blameless way is the one who's going to minister to me. He who practices deceit shall not dwell within my house. He who speaks falsehood shall not maintain his position before me. Every morning I will destroy all the wicked of the land so as to cut off from the city of the Lord all those who do iniquity. That's not a bad standard. He's setting serious boundaries around his life of what he's going to allow in and what he's going to push out and what he's going to take a stand for and what he's not going to allow to influence him. And so we're going to begin to look at that. I'm not going to read the Colossians 3 passage because of time, but I want you guys, Colossians 3, 5 to 17, you're going to, you're going to get it this morning. All right, so here we go. We're going to talk about morality. Again, three lenses we're looking through at purity this morning. We're going to look at morality. We're going to look at our motives and we're going to look at our method. Okay, so morality. This is Paul, a beautiful picture taken back in the day. I'm sure it was a selfie. Um, but what he does in this passage is he contrasts what is impure with what is pure. So let's look at what's impure according to Paul. Click it up there, Heidi. There we go. He classifies in verse 5 several things as idolatry. Let's look at what he classifies as idolatry. Check it. Immorality impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed. Now, greed, I can kind of get as idolatry, right? I can kind of see that. But, but you think about immorality, impurity. So the, again, some of the translations vary on whether that, the, the idolatry applies to just greed, but I like to think of it as applying to all of those because you can allow immorality to become an idol in your life. You can allow impurity. You can allow passion, evil desire. All those things can consume your heart. And Paul says it becomes an idol. 
Now, later on in that passage, he talks about what is the contrast, what is pure. Let's take a look at what he says there. In verse 12, he shifts gears completely, and he says, but you who are holy, you who are beloved, you who are chosen, and then he goes on to describe what that looks like. But I think what, what I pulled away from this in verse 16, if you put that up there, Heidi, how do we, we achieve purity? I, I saw this. It says, let the word richly dwell in you. How do you purify your mind? You know, Psalm 119.9, David says, how can a young man keep his way pure by keeping it according to your word, right? We need the word of God saturating our mind. If we're going to walk pure and fight against these uh, these nasty five up here, we've got to be filling our hearts. Okay? All right, let's, let's jump over to what David's perspective is in Psalm 101 that we just read. He too has a, a litmus for what is impure and what is pure. So let's see what David says about impurity. He describes it as everything evil. That is an interesting term. What do you mean, David? Let's see what he means. Everything that is vile, vulgar, and perverse. Vile, vulgar, and perverse. And see, what would David think about our culture today? As he looks around the American culture, our world's culture, the things that we are choosing to normalize as perfectly normal, perfectly natural, these things are all good. Do you think David would line up with what the culture is saying? Things that are vile, vulgar, and perverse, everything evil is fighting against a pure mind. And the church is sucking into this, people. The church is sucking into this. We are, we are choosing to adopt. We're choosing to erode into this. Let's talk about what David calls pure. Let's look at this. He talks about a blameless life and integrity in the home. A blameless life, integrity in the home. See, what's easy in our day and age, in fact, it's any day and age, we can play this game of out in the public, we have this image. We are so good. We've got our act all dialed in. But what are we like behind closed doors at home? See, what's really sad is that in ministry, a lot of the leaders, a lot of people who are in leadership positions, they can stand right up here and they can espouse all sorts of amazing sounding things. But then go and interview the wife. Go and interview the kids. And let's see how that lines up. And see, we dare not stand up here if we aren't living this. And I'm, I'm telling you, man, Marvin and I, we don't stand up here because we got it all dialed in. We're just as messed up and broken as you guys are. But the reality is, this is what Jesus' standard is. This is David said, man, this is the standard. And I want to live a blameless life. So let's look a little bit deeper here. I'm going to refuse to look at what's vile and vulgar. I'm going to reject perversion. I'm going to flee evil. And see, the curse of the deal is you, you got your, your dumb phones, you know, those phones that can put anything you want in front of your face. The question we need to ask ourselves is what am I looking at on my phone? Because see, you can be really private 
and you can be really personal. And people, we need to talk about an issue this morning. Pornography is decimating our culture. It is destroying the church. We cannot call ourselves pure of heart and mind if we're messing with porn. And this crap is freaking readily available. And I'm here to tell you, man, if, 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 if we're going to pursue purity, if we are going to be the well that's going to overflow into our city, we can't be dabbling. We can't be even looking. We can't even be casting a glance. We can't be allowing perversion of this nature to infect us. And you guys, I'm here to tell you, it's easy to be duplicitous. It is easy for us to pretend to be, oh, yeah, man, I don't do that stuff. But see, one day, you guys, we're going to stand before our creator. One day, the veil's going to be pulled back. And there's no kidding around. Jesus is calling us to the high standard. He says, I want you to reject perversion. I want you to flee this stuff. This is one of the things that we need to flee. All right. Oof. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about this idea of motives. And this is specifically in relationships. As we interact with each other, what's the heart motive going on? So let's talk about what Paul thinks about this. He talks about an impurity called anger. And as we interact with each other, anger can take a lot of different forms. Let's look at the different forms it can take. Put it up there. There we go. Anger has a lot of faces. There's anger, which, of course, we understand what it looks like to be anger. What does wrath mean? Wrath is just this rage. It's when we're raging at people and we're out to kill and destroy. What's, what's, what's malice? That's intent to hurt. If you have a malicious attitude, you are out there to take somebody out. Okay? What's this thing called slander? That's the subtle one. That's the easy one. We would talk about people behind their backs, see? We, we can't confront them face to face, but we will smear their name all over the place behind their back. And then there's this idea of abusive speech. What goes on in your household? Are you dropping F-bombs with each other? Are you using speech that you wouldn't dare use out in public with each other? And see, as we interact with people, our anger is a reflection of whether we are pure or impure. Are we allowing our emotions to accelerate to a level where we're destroying another person by our words, by our actions, our attitude? Contrast that with what Paul calls pure. What does he call pure? Let the peace of Christ rule. You guys, what would that be like if our households were characterized by the peace of Christ? Amen. Let's look at this a little deeper. It looks like a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Contrast that with the list above. Which do you want to have describe your life? Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech? Or would you prefer Heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. That's the purity level. Jesus says, you want a pure mind, that's where you got to put your focus. That needs to be descriptors. And notice the idea, top one is, is prejudice and racism. I mean, he infers this in his talk. He says, there's neither, you know, slave nor free. There's the Scythian and the, and the Jew and the Samaritan and all these different. There was a lot of racism going on. There was a lot of, uh, you know, prejudice going on in that day. And it's true today. You know, we haven't escaped it. 
It's true today. And so an impure motive in our relationships is we see each other through the colored lens. We, we see each other through this, you're different than I am. And we get this superior attitude. Paul says, nope, no distinction, man. The glasses are off. We are all brothers and sisters in Christ. We all have red blood flowing through our veins. We all have Jesus in our heart. This is the family of God. Yes, we are different, but man, no distinction. That's purity of heart in our motive, in our interactions with each other. Okay, let's go on. Again, David has ideas about this too. What does he describe as impure in this relational area? He calls it the bondage of the wicked. What does he mean by that? Conceit and pride. See, what we do is we elevate ourselves above the person in our life. Other people, we think, man, I got my act together. I've got it all dialed in. Aren't I amazing? Aren't you less than me? And see, we don't even necessarily have to say that. It's just the way that we go about interacting with them. We, do, we treat them differently. We just, we have this selfishness that we just display. What does David say is pure? He says, I'm going to search for faithful people. Because see, if I allow these kinds of people to get into my life, these ones who have that superior snooty attitude, it's going to affect me. He says, no, I'm going to search for faithful people. What does that mean? Friends who are above reproach. He talks about ferreting out the wicked and freeing the city. He won't endure that conceit and pride stuff. So it's like you become like who you hang out with. Right? Bad company corrupts good morals. And so David says, man, you want purity in your relationships. You want to hang out with people who are going to encourage you in the right things, who are going to be, uh, by osmosis, helping you become a person of pure heart and mind. The way that you see them treat people, you're like, yeah, I want to treat people like that. That's beautiful. You want those kinds of people. I want those faithful friends in my life. All right, let's move on. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or empty pride, but in humility... Consider others more important than yourselves. A little sidebar here, throw up that next one. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot I only exist when you need something. See, is that the way that we treat people? It's like, ah, it's all about me until I need you. And then thank you for that. Now let me move on and you're just back out in the garbage heap. See, this is not purity of heart in emotion in, in terms of our relationships with each other. All right, next Back to Paul, and this is our final one here. How, how do we view purity in terms of our methods? In other words, our, our relations with each other. So Paul describes an impure methodology. What is it? Deception. What does he mean by deception? Lying to one another. Reverting to the old self. Easy, easy, easy to do we end up just defaulting. See, if, if we aren't allowing the Spirit of God, if we aren't living the eight Beatitudes lifestyle, we're not walking in the power of the Spirit, we will revert to our old nature. This is a battle we face throughout our entire life that we exist on this planet, okay? So we don't want to do that. We don't want to be deceptive. We don't want to put up a false front or, or try and sell something to somebody with a little bit of deception. How about purity? What does he say about that? He says, man, put on love. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. That's the purity. And how does he unpack it for us? 
being renewed. Again, not the old nature, but the new self, the new knowledge. Christ is all in all. We're all in this together. Bear with one another. Forgive each other in word or deed. Whatever we do, do it in his name. See, that changes the dynamic of how we interact with each other as we look at it through that lens. Paul says, I want you to step up to purity. I don't want you to default to what is human nature, what's easy. Let's see what David has to say about it. Manipulation and distortion. What does he mean? Those who deal crookedly, those who are deceivers and liars. Have you ever manipulated a relationship to get what you want? Have you ever deceived somebody? Maybe you're trying to uh, sell them an idea or sell them a product. My son Brandon just uh, took on a new job as a car salesman working for a dealership that is using secondhand cars. And he got into this office and all the sales dudes were all like, man, don't, don't, the goal is to not let the customer know all the issues that are wrong with the car. And he was like, I can't do that. That's like lying to them. And they said, well, man, it's the only way you're gonna sell cars. And there's pressure to sell cars at this place. Well, we were proud of him, man. Yesterday he sold his first car and he told the guy, he says, I need you to know before you drive all the way up here to buy this thing, there's a couple of things wrong and here's what it is. I just want to be upfront with you about it. The guy drove up there, he bought the car anyway. And I'm like, that's my boy. Proud of him, man. It's like, I say, you know, Jewel and I were saying to him, you know what? Set the high bar. You don't have to conform to what the other things are, you know? Do what's right. So David says, what's pure? Setting wise boundaries in your life. Okay, what do you mean, David? Have nothing to do with crooked people. Zero tolerance for slander. No deceivers and liars in his presence, right? He said, I I realize that if I don't set some boundaries for myself, I'm going to become like the people I hang out with. And so he says, nope, I don't want to do that. I don't want to have that temptation. And here's my son in the midst of a bunch of guys who that's their mentality. So I said, you either conform or you become transformer. You set the new example, right? All right, last slide. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord. A just weight is his delight. God got very upset in the Jewish temple when they had unjust weights right, where they would cheat the people in, in, in presenting their offerings, and they'd say, oh, yeah, that's, that's totally what the, the accurate way it is, but it, it's like, there's no way. I mean, I know it. No. God says, you can, you can mess around all you want. I see. We're going to ultimately stand before our king one day, and we will, we will be judged on how we treated people. What was our method? What was our heart? So, you guys, for me, the bottom line in this whole issue of purity is I want Jesus. I want nothing to do with this world. I want Jesus. That's purity of heart and mind. And it's like, God, I need to focus. I need your spirit. This morning, I don't know what your situation is. Maybe some of these things are resonating with you. Some of those things might be conviction of the spirit. I don't know what it is. But what God says is, I'm calling you to purity. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they will see God. That's what I want, you guys. And I got junk in my life that I'm cleaning out just like everybody else. So if we've got some prayer team folks, I'm just going to invite them to come up this morning. And 
these guys are available to pray with you because I think it says confess your sins to one another, pray for one another that you will be healed. And confession is necessary, you guys. It is true. It is necessary because we want to be pure vessels. If we're going to live the eight Beatitudes lifestyle, if we're going to pursue the kingdom lifestyle, then there's no room for compromise. None, None at all. If our fellowship is going to survive if we're going to relate to each other in a way that is pure, we have to do business with the Lord. And at least I'm going to invite you to come up as well and just invite you to stand over there. And if there's some of you who would love to pray for her, I mean, she's in the midst of some amazing, huge, world-changing things uh, with what God's calling her to do. John's partnering with her potentially. And so if you, want, if you have a call to pray over Lisa, then I encourage you to do that. So what we're going to do is just close down our service here with some prayer and if you've got kids go ahead and grab them because we're going to start doing the feeding frenzy out here you're welcome to join please stay please stay we had some